as boards pursue their intentional learning on AI and other technologies of this kind, they can't allow themselves to be seduced by cool and instead need to focus on more fundamental considerations. Some timely advice and a quick preview of what's in store on this episode of VSAE Connections, an original podcast series focused on the interconnectivity of Virginia's association community, produced by the Virginia Society of Association Executives. I'm Colby Horton, and I'm here with my colleague and co-host, Frank Humata. Hey, Frank. Hey, Colby. So this episode drops on the first day of VSAE's fall conference, which is a great time for VSAE members to come together as a community to share ideas, formulate new approaches to the challenges they face, and network with some of the greatest association professionals in the industry. VSAE is always at the forefront of delivering strong education led by industry powerhouses. Topics are always diverse, and I can guarantee you'll walk away with some good nuggets of information that you can share with your colleagues or your network. And one topic that seems to be dominating industry press, business publications, and our members' lives is generative AI. And our guest today has a lot to say about the subject, which, by the way, is a topic of an education session he'll present in November. So, Frank, who do we have on today? Our guest today is Jeff DeCanya, who is an executive advisor for Foresight First LLC, located in Reston, Virginia. Jeff is an author, speaker, and advisor for associations and nonprofit organizations around the world. He is a fellow of ASAE and served on the ASAE Board of Directors from 2007 to 2010. A graduate of John Hopkins and Harvard Universities, Jeff has pursued executive education at the MIT Sloan School of Management. Oxford University, and Harvard Business School. And as a reminder, Jeff will present an in-person session around association boards and technological harm on Thursday, November 2nd at the Weston Richmond Hotel. So let's connect with Jeff DeCanya. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thanks, Frank. Great to be here. We're happy to have you, and we're not going to waste any time, Jeff. What should BSAE attendees expect from your November 2nd session on association boards and technological harm? So I'm glad we're starting here because I want to share two expectations. And then I want to also share an expectation that I hope attendees will set for themselves. So the two expectations that I would share with them are, first of all, this is not a session about how to use generative AI. So if you're looking for that, this is not the place. Secondly, this session is going to focus on how boards and staff partners need to work together to orient their thinking on AI. So that's really going to be the focus, not about the use, but about how to think about it at the most senior decision-making levels of the association. The expectation that I think attendees, I hope, will set for themselves is they should be open to hearing a different view of AI than perhaps they're getting from other sources in the association community. And I'm sure as we go through our conversation here, they will get a, a feel for what I mean when they say when I say they're going to hear something different. Great. So let's really dive into the world of AI for the association community. And about a year ago, you wrote this statement. When it comes to the expanding embrace of technology in both your associations and the broader world, boards face a fundamental dilemma. Technology will be at the core of their organization's pursuit of long-term thrivability, even as it remains an ongoing source of unintended negative consequences for stakeholders and successors. I mean, for me, that's a, that's a very powerful statement, Jeff. So what is your advice to association boards as they think about how to safeguard their members and successors from technological harm? 
So a couple of things. I, I think before we even get to the dilemma that you're describing, Colby, is, you know, first of all, association boards, most of them have to recognize that they're really not prepared to have this conversation and they need to take immediate steps to prepare. And again, I'm not saying it's every board, but I would say it's the vast majority of boards. And I'm not blaming anyone for that lack of preparation. ChatGPT came out at the end of November of last year. Before that, I would say that most people in the AI space were describing what was going on as kind of, that was kind of on simmer. And then all of a sudden ChatGPT was released and it created tremendous upheaval for everyone in the world and certainly everyone in our community and has changed the dynamics of this conversation around artificial intelligence and specifically now this whole uh, kind of artificial intelligence that we call generative AI. So that means that boards are really going to have to grapple with this dilemma in a very different way. Even before you know we knew about where generative AI was going to take us or where the challenges would come from, we knew that associations needed to use technology to grow their business models, to offer value to stakeholders. And that was something that became crystal clear during the worst pandemic lockdown when associations had to adapt on the fly to move their annual meetings or other events to a virtual platform. So we know the technology is going to be necessary for the future business model of associations. At the same time, as you describe in the dilemma, we know that these technologies, and especially the introduction of generative AI, is creating risk for the association. It's creating harm for their stakeholders. And that's not going to go away. And in fact, it's been amplified by easily accessible technologies that raise many, many questions about you know, what the source of their training data is, how that training data is used, and did people give their authorization for that? And large part, the answer to that is no. The concerns about sexism and ageism and racism and disinformation and deep fakes and surveillance and the list goes on and on. So these harms are real. These harms are happening. So we need the technology, but we also have to recognize that there are tremendous downsides. And I think that in addressing that dilemma, it's critical for boards to put a greater emphasis on the latter considerations as they go about thinking about what's next with regard to their organization's use of technology. I think it's amazing to me, and you kind of set this time frame up for us that you know, chat GPT has been around for less than a year now, and its impact on the world as a whole, individual industries, the association community in general is pretty profound. And even the term generative AI, we, we really didn't hear a lot about it until chat GPT really started gaining the traction that it has. But you emphasize the importance of ethical decision-making before implementing generative AI. Could you explain why ethical considerations should take precedence and how associations can approach this? In my experience in the association committee, which now is more than 30 years, what I've seen, and of course, our relationship with technology in associations has changed dramatically throughout the course of my career. I can recall an earlier day at the beginning of my career where there wasn't very much discussion of technology at all. And now here we are, we're pretty much every day, the conversation in associations is somehow relating to technology. So the dynamic is that with every new technology, there is this tendency to focus first on the cool and exciting use cases, 
That's what you see all over social media. That's what you see in articles and that kind of thing. And, and by the way, that's what those who advocate for AI prefer. They prefer that you focus your attention on the cool and exciting use cases. But to be honest, that way of thinking about things doesn't make much sense to me because how can you press forward on using technologies without giving serious thought, deep thought to the actual impact of these technologies on real people? I mean, our organizations are first and foremost about bringing people together, uniting them around some common purpose that they can act on together. So if you're going to use the technologies to advance that, how do you not first give thought to, hey, these AI-enabled products and services that everyone is so excited about, you know, we'd better figure out what they mean. So, you know, as I mentioned in my response to the last question, you know, for, for boards, I think the focus has got to be different, not on the cool use cases, but as boards pursue their intentional learning on AI and other technologies of this kind as well, they can't allow themselves to be seduced by cool and instead need to focus on more fundamental considerations. They are, after all, the most important decision-making group in the organization, certainly in terms of their responsibility and authority on behalf of the association. They have financial considerations, fiduciary responsibility. They have legal considerations. There's reputational risk that has to be considered. And there's other forms of risk as well. So that's really critical for boards to be thinking about. And in addition, I think boards need to concentrate more of their attention on how AI might harm their stakeholders, even if the use case appears perfectly acceptable. So I would say, for example, that if we're using AI or any technology that is capturing information about what our stakeholders are doing, one could argue that that's a form of surveillance. And are we doing everything that we can to ensure that people aren't being surveilled? Are we using that information in appropriate ways? Are we securing it for the possibility of breach? There's huge cybersecurity considerations. So I think that before boards go too far down the pathway of, wow, isn't this cool? They need to be more dispassionate and ask different questions, harder questions, and put that ethical uh, aspect of things, that ethical grounding at the center of how they're having those conversations and making those decisions. Well, Jeff, what is your guidance to associations on how they can develop effective policies to safeguard their interests and members when it comes to generative AI? So I think I'll save most of that for the November 2nd session, but let me offer the listeners a little bit of guidance on that. I think first, I want to urge every board and everyone serving on boards to get comfortable with the idea of drafting policies that help their stakeholders understand what are acceptable and unacceptable use cases for AI. I know that policymaking isn't the most compelling, isn't the sexiest aspect of what boards do, and I agree having served on boards myself, spending my days working with boards, I get that policymaking isn't the most interesting aspect of things, but it's really critical here that the board be involved in this policymaking process. I know a lot of associations will want to establish employee level policies, and I get that, and maybe that's fine, but I do think the board needs to have input for the reasons I've given. They've got larger considerations beyond simply what the staff is doing, although that's very important. They need to look at this through more in a more holistic way. So I think that's something that boards will need to put their sort of lean into to put their emphasis on in terms of the policymaking aspect around what's acceptable with the use of AI, what's unacceptable 
what's required of the organization, what's required of individual users, how will this apply to stakeholders and you know, beyond the staff and that kind of thing. And I think that this work certainly needs to involve staff partners in the process. They, they will have a very important perspective on the conversation. So we'll definitely want to include them in this discussion and, and involve them deeply. But I also think we need to have a variety of stakeholder voices in the conversation from a range of backgrounds and experiences. I think too much of technology decision-making is centered on the technology. And therefore, the people who are mostly involved are those who have deep knowledge of technology capabilities and other aspects of what the technology is about. But I think we need to have a more diverse set of inputs into these conversations around policy. So that the policies themselves are not technology-centered, that they are centered on human beings, the human beings who are going to be affected, the human beings who are going to be using the technology, who are going to have their work be somehow connected to the technology. So I think we've got to have more clarity around how the variety of issues that come to play requires a variety of perspectives and not just a technology-centered point of view. And then I guess the last thing I'd say here is... I think I would reiterate the importance of the ethical considerations and using them to inform the development of these policies. So as boards are going about preparing themselves for these conversations, placing the emphasis on ethical considerations of generative AI, or really any form of AI and even other technologies, let's make sure that our policies reflect that ethical orientation and not the orientation of let's give everyone maximum ability to use things, even though we know that there's real world ethical considerations, not only because it opens the organization up to risk, it opens up the stakeholders to harm, but because it's simply the right thing to do. I just think it's the right thing to do. ChatGPT was released, I believe, and I think others think of it this way, in a, in a rather irresponsible fashion by OpenAI. And I've heard other people talk about this too. They unleashed something that they did not really fully understand they thought they had done all that they could to make it safe, but we have seen very clearly that the safeguards that are put on ChatGPT can be easily removed with a little bit of effort by those who know what they're doing. And that has created all kinds of, of issues of people who now can use these technologies for bad, for to create harm. So the irresponsible way in which this was put into the marketplace, I think has really put us in a difficult position. In the absence of other frameworks for addressing those problems, I think we need to have organizations like associations take this part seriously and really orient their thinking towards, let's develop policies, let's develop practices, and let's develop other responses that emphasize, even overemphasize, the ethical aspects of things because it fills a void that we very much need to address. First of all, Excellent preview for your session. And that kind of segues into my question, what you just said is, well, what are your thoughts on the role of laws and regulation and mitigating AI-related risks? And what role should associations play in their creation? We need regulatory action on AI as soon as possible. We need it yesterday, to be honest. And every association, regardless of what kind of association, trade, professional, philanthropic, hybrid, whatever form your association takes, should be advocating for regulation on artificial intelligence at both the federal level and at the state level. And I'm somewhat encouraged by some of the things I'm saying, not as encouraged as I would like to be. I know that there's discussions happening at the federal level. There's there's conversations that are emerging there. I believe in California, there's been some legislation introduced at the, at the state level. 
to regulate AI, and I'll be interested to see how that unfolds. It's very early days, but California's work could be quite powerful. They're rather far along on a regulatory framework in Europe, which I think will have consequences for what happens here. Uh, China has done work on ethical aspects of, of course, their ethical view of artificial intelligence is different from ours because it, it's very much tied into the total control that the Chinese Communist Party has over what happens there. So it's, you know, their view of it is a little different, actually, I think significantly different, but so we'll have to see how that unfolds. But I think that there's simply no question that regardless of what kind of association you are, what industry or professions you're serving, you need to be advocating for this because it's the right thing for us to be doing for our society, for humanity. And I would say that this is not the time for associations to default to that very widely held orthodox belief that regulation restricts innovation. I think that it is possible to create regulation that is not well suited to innovation, but I actually think if you craft regulatory frameworks that require technology companies, the companies that provide these technologies, provide the AI that are the centerpiece or sort of central to its ongoing development, if you require them to provide protections against the most harmful aspects of their products and services, that will spur innovation. It will give them some new problem to solve that they can apply their resources and their highly intelligent employees and all the, everything they have at their disposal. And since associations really are going to rely on the ability to use those technologies from them or perhaps some open source large language models, which will still require their own regulation and, and also uh, the talent to be able to work with them, it's in associations' interest to, to be a part of the process of getting to that regulatory framework that's going to help uh, this work. You know, despite their public statements of supporting regulation, they've been all over the press, and we have certainly heard about them because the technology companies want us to hear about them. The tech companies don't really want it, regulation, right? They say it, but they're not really truthful, in my opinion, about it. They want regulation that is the least possible amount of regulation that favors their interests. And while I understand that that's the way it works in the political sphere, this is too big of an issue. It's too much of a risk for us to allow that to move in that direction. So you can be sure that technology companies are going to be pushing their agenda on this. And associations need to be the ones, among others, of course, that are pushing back on what we would describe here as regulatory capture, right? The idea that the regulations are essentially captured by those who, who are being regulated and it serves only their interests and not the public interest. So we've got to push back on any possibility of regulatory capture and instead keep the focus of regulation on what's good for human stakeholders, right? That's who associations should be focusing on. They're human stakeholders and not just the people they're serving today because regulation is the way that we're going to set a better course for the future of AI for the successors who will come into our associations as we move into the 2030s and beyond. So the regulatory aspect of things combined with what associations themselves do will not only stabilize what's happening in the moment and in the short term, but will set a course and a better pathway for what happens over the long term. And that's where I think associations can heavily and positively influence the direction of this conversation. That's some great insight and obviously something that we're all going to be monitoring very closely as this whole thing continues to progress. 
Shifting gears just a little bit, you recently wrote a blog post for VSAE on why we are all AI ethicists now. And that's really what you'll be speaking on at the lunch on November 2nd. But why do you think we're all AI ethicists now? Yeah, so in addition to the morning session that we uh, have been talking about, some of those themes, I'm going to be doing a, a kind of a brief talk at lunch, as you mentioned. And I wanted that talk to send a very clear message to everyone in the room, because that's going to be a room filled with people, not just association executives, but also people who work in other aspects of the association community, people who work in hotels or who work in tech companies or who are consultants or you know what have you, the, the full universe of association contributors, if you will, will participate in the in the lunch. And my message in that talk is regardless of how you participate in the association community, you have a huge stake in how AI moves forward throughout the rest of this decade into the 2030s. You have such a stake because it will affect you personally. It will affect your business. It will affect your company. It will affect your neighbors. This will affect everyone in our world, everyone in at every level of our world. So we've all got a stake in this, and it's very important for people to understand that. And whether AI adopts a stronger ethical orientation is really at least in part up to every one of us insisting that it does. You know, the only way that we're really going to move the needle on a conversation like this one is if every one of us says, you know what, we need this to be ethically oriented, ethically aligned. Though know, this this is the thing we talk about a lot in AI, the alignment problem, aligning AI with the values of humanity. It will happen, I believe. I, I want to be optimistic on this note. It will happen if we insist that it does. But if we leave it to other people to have that conversation, it might not happen in a way that we would like. So I would encourage everyone to read the post to come to both talks, if you can, come to the morning session. If you're a CEO in your association, uh, I hope you would consider bringing your board president, your board chair, or perhaps even you know, multiple board members, because I think they'll benefit from this conversation. But if you can only make the lunch, uh, I hope that you'll come to that, and I will give you some important questions to ask of yourself, of your colleagues, and of your organization when it comes to this issue of how do we ensure that our future with AI is one that is grounded in an ethical orientation that benefits humanity, and that's going to be key. So I, I hope that people will come having read the post and, and prepared to hear that message. Yeah, I will link that post in our show notes as well, so Great. that I can give a, give a refresher to, to everyone. But as we wrap up our conversation today, and we've talked a little bit about it, but I really want to put an exclamation point on this conversation what is your advice to everyone working in the association community about the adoption and the use of generative AI? Yeah, so I, I appreciate the the opportunity to to share those thoughts, and I'm going to probably be a little bit provocative here as as a as a close. But I, I appreciate the conversation that we've had because it, it covers so much territory that's so important for everyone to understand around AI. I think the first thing I would say is and this is, I'm sort of saying this to your listeners, you are not under any obligation to use generative AI. No matter what anyone else tells you, you do not have to do it. I have made that choice to not use generative AI. I have a chat GPT pro level account that I've never used. I have access to other tools. If I ever want to use it, it's available to me. 
But I have made that choice for now because I'm not at the place where I feel that the technology is ready for me to want to be interacting with it. So everyone can make that choice. I've made that choice and everyone listening can do the same. That's the first thing I would say in terms of advice. Secondly, if you are using generative AI, that's fine. Everyone can make their own decision. And if you're using it, that's perfectly acceptable so long as you're using it responsibly. And that means being completely transparent about it. Don't use generative AI in a way where you're kind of concealing it. You know, it's important to be out front. So we have a duty to disclose. What I do when I write something, as I always put at the top, an attestation that I did not use generative AI. If you're going to use generative AI in your work in some fashion, text or visuals, what have you, then make sure you're disclosing that you used it how you used it and ensure that someone in your organization has that information, especially if it's going to appear in a public facing way, if it's going to be something that appears on a website or a publication, you absolutely have a duty to disclose. And I think you have to do that at all times in every context to ensure that you are being responsible in its use. And I guess the final thing I would say, Colby, is don't anthropomorphize AI. Don't ascribe human characteristics to artificial intelligence. And I've seen this a lot over uh, the course of a long time, not just the last year, but before. That people talk about AI as if it's my friend, my buddy, I had a conversation with AI and so on and so forth. No, it's algorithmic processing of huge amounts of information, okay? It's not magic and it's definitely not human. So let's not talk about it in that way. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's machine intelligence that produces persuasive, fluent, sometimes interesting, sometimes quite anodyne, outputs, but they're synthetic outputs. They are not human outputs, and it is not a human interaction that you're having. And I know a lot of people who want to push back on that and that sort of thing, and that's why I'm always happy to have that conversation. But I think these three things that I've shared here at the end, you don't have to use it if you don't want to. If you do use it, use it responsibly. And when you're using it, know what it is you're using, and it's not a human replacement. And it's not a human being in any way. It's machine intelligence that can have benefits, but only if we recognize it for what it is and use it in the most ethical way possible. Yeah, I love all three of those points. And I think as a community, we have a lot to learn. I think my favorite point is your first one. We don't have to use this. It is our choice to do so. So Jeff, thanks a lot for your insights today. We really appreciate you being a part of this conversation. It's my pleasure and uh, thank you for the opportunity and thanks to VSAE for uh, having me on the podcast. Absolutely. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of VSAE Connections. Join us each month as we continue our conversations with VSAE members and supporters about life, work, and the communities they serve. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on behalf of VSAE, I'm Colby Horton with Frank Humata. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.